Listen up or run for cover. Dropping knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. The, the real Bradley Bombs is dropping. What it is, Brad Lee back again with another episode of Dropping Bombs. Today, folks, I've got a real treat for you. Adam Contos. Welcome, Adam. Glad to be here, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm surprised I got you on, folks. If you guys don't know who Adam Contos is, man, he's the chief executive officer, the big kahuna at Remax Holdings, which is Remax Real Estate. Everyone's heard of Remax. They're all over hell and back. You sell any homes in hell? <laughs> I think just about anywhere on the planet and surrounding planets, my friend. Yeah, like Remax, dude. That's like that's like the you know. There's only a couple big ones that you could name that everyone's heard of, and Remax is one of them. How'd you get that job, bro? It's interesting. You know, I I I, I grew up in law enforcement. I used to run a SWAT team, but uh, uh, and that's, been that's that right there is my first dream. Believe it or not. <laughs> kicking doors and blowing stuff up, right? Dude, that's freaking unbelievable. I'm going to make a note so we can go back and talk about that. Okay, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Hey, no problem. So, uh, I, I owned a security consulting company that I had started and, and Remax actually hired my security consulting company to come in and teach real estate agent safety to realtors around the world, really, in the Remax network. And the, I kind of got stuck here. You know, they, they said, come join us. And I said, I love this company. I'd love to be here. So, uh, that, that's how I started. I got in as a business consultant, working with uh, businesses on the ground level and helping them grow and helping them take a look at what to do and what not to do and work my way up through the company. I noticed that it, I was reading about you and you say that you like to break down barriers, blow up conventional thinking, which is akin to myself. Tell me, what, what, what made you that way? I, I think there's always a better way. If you, if you look at the chessboard of life, it's, and even the chessboard, you know, we, we play two-dimensional chess. Well, life is way more dimensional than that. And there's always a way, there's always an opportunity and people get stuck in their heads where they can't do it. Well, the reality is when, when you're in a bad situation, let's say you're in, uh, in combat as uh, in the military or on a, a SWAT team or something like that, nobody's going to come and save you. So, you got to figure out a way. And that's the way business is. There's always a way and you can find your way through it. So, that's, that's the uh, mindset that I've, I basically grew up with and I continue with me today. So, tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in Denver. Denver, Colorado. That's right. The whole time. Born yeah, in- yeah. Uh, well, I was born in Ohio. By the time we, we went Ohio, Virginia, Virginia, Dallas, Dallas, Denver. And by the time I got to Denver, I think I was about four or five years old. So that's born and raised. Yeah. Sweet. Is that where Remax headquarters is? Yeah. Remax headquarters started in Denver in 1973. Wow. And, and when you were on a SWAT team, uh, obviously kicking in doors and what have you, what was the main focus of a SWAT team? Uh, basically to handle anything that is, that is high risk or manpower intensive that a standard patrol team can't or shouldn't be dedicating their uh, their time and resources to. So, so we, go ahead. Ahead. We, we, had the, we got the resources, we got the, the firepower, uh, we got medical with us, we had everything we needed in order to take care of business. And if we needed more SWAT teams, we could pick up the phone and we had about 17 of them in the Denver area. We could get another one there pretty quick. And ultimately, you know, it's drug deals, drug dealers, you know, hostage situations, all kinds of situations. Yeah, I mean, if you can think of, I mean, if you could call it high risk. So basically, if there's a, a bad guy that's likely to be armed on the other side of a door or a extreme situation where there's a history of, of something bad, um, you know, like you said, uh, drug deals, uh, um, everything, executive protection. We protected a group of uh, Iraqi dignitaries that came to town right after the, uh, the Iraq war. So uh, we did a lot of bodyguarding. Um, you know, we, we protected the Pope when he came to Colorado one time. So it, it just depends. And, uh, and it was uh, everything to barricaded gunmen or hostage situations, things like that. To make sure they don't get whacked? Well, I mean, the, the goal is to get everybody out alive. You know, you're, you're not there to take lives, you're there to save lives. And right. if, if you go into that way, 
and it's it's a different perspective than really what the public has. They think you're you're going to go in and, and you know shoot it up, but the idea behind it is to come out of it peacefully, and you apply the uh, the levers of extremities to it. Um, we used to call it the three T's: time, talk, and tactics. And you adjust the uh, your particular uh, actions and options to the situation as it is fluid. And it's just, it's like, you know, if you think of business, there's always a challenge that happens in business with entrepreneurs, with whatever. But instead of a, a gun and concussion grenades and a bunch of guys uh, with a big armored truck, you, you show up with your briefcase and your laptop and figure out a way. Mm. So how big is Remax? Uh, we have 130,000 agents in over 110 countries and territories. So about 8,300, 8,400 offices. Now, do you have to manage those or is this like almost like a franchise? Are there, are there independent offices that, that run by themselves with just your name or is this like you have, that, you have, you have to control that many people? We are 100% franchised. We do not own any locations from Remax headquarters. In fact, we're, we're a four-company holdings company. Remax is not our only company. We have Remax, we have Motto Mortgage, which is just over 100 mortgage locations. So we have a bunch of uh, LOs out there and, and mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. And then we own two technology companies. One of them is called Bouge, B-O-O-J, which is a uh, real estate technology platform that we acquired called three years ago. And then another one is called First. So first.io. And that's an AI company that goes through and sorts through your, uh, all your contacts in your database and determines through AI which ones are likely to sell a house in the near future. Wow. Well, let's stick to that for a minute because I, I, I want to get, there's a whole bunch of things I want to ask you, but let's, t- let's stick on the real estate game. I got a lot of real estate agents and people in the mortgage business listening to the podcast, which I call the bomb squad. All right. So, um, if I, were in, if I were in the loan officer game, you would think right now everyone's trying to refi with these low-ass interest rates. Is it blowing up or is it, or is it screwing up? You know, it, it just depends. I mean, you, you have to manage your, uh, your relationship with your customers. And a lot of people just kind of pick up the phone and say, I want to refi. But what we know right now is that uh, rates have kind of gone up a little bit because the servicers don't want you to necessarily refi right now. They're a little backlogged on that. So it's, it's a management of relationships through information and, and transparency. So yes, there are a ton of refis going on right now. Um, it is a clogged pipeline, but there are also a lot of people who are thinking, I want to buy a house or I want to sell a house right now. And uh, obviously we know that the mortgage is an instrumental aspect to the purchase of a, a property. So you just you got to kind of balance them both and, and do the best you can for your customers. But we know um, you know, servicers are not giving their best rates right now simply because of the, uh, the influx of all the traffic. Hmm. See, I didn't know that. I, f- I thought like the interest rates were dropped down to damn near nothing. Well, they're, they're really good. Don't get me wrong, but um, they have, you know, they went down and then they came back up just a tad bit in, in some marketplaces or in a lot of places simply because of the volume. So we're starting to see this level out a little bit as uh, people kind of take a deep breath and settle back. But they're still at historic lows right now. They are really, really good right now. So yes, touch base, but no, it might take a little while. Right now, is it better to buy or sell? It's interesting right now because it's good to do both. Um, I mean, here, here's the thing about even like, you know, we're right in the middle of COVID-19 and all this other, uh, this virus stuff that's going on. Ultimately, we're seeing both happen. We see a lot of buyers out there and we do see a lot of sellers, but we also see people that have taken their property off the market simply because they don't want strangers walking through their house right now. That being said, there are virtual opportunities that our agents are well-versed in and, and a lot of the professional agents in the marketplace are to, to help the sellers and help the buyers with the whole thing. But ultimately, we're not seeing home prices dip like they have in past uh, pre-recessionary periods. Uh, they're, they're holding strong because of supply and demand. We still have a lot of demand. We still have very little supply. So we're, uh, you know, I, I would say when this thing breaks loose, um, it's going to be, you know, kind of a little bit of a feeding frenzy going on. So the answer is it's still a good time to do both. Well, see, I talking to a guy now, again, he's in the insurance business, but he's like, oh, dude, these guys are screwed. That's anybody in real estate, they're screwed. Now, I didn't know what he meant by that because of the COVID thing. 
he's saying everybody's screwed. And I'm, I, I couldn't figure out why he was saying that other than, you know, he's not in the industry. To me, I'm thinking whoever's selling mortgages, the LOs, they're going to be inundated with people wanting to get equity out of their homes. I, I would love to be a loan officer right now because you would think, and again, I'm not in the business. You would think everybody should get the equity out of their house. Number one, just in case. Number two, I would, I would think people want to buy homes that the prices would be better right now because nobody necessarily wants to be buying and moving homes. But I guess that's wrong. The it's prices are good right now. I mean, you're right. Are, are up? Well, they're they're kind of flat and slightly up in a lot of markets. Uh, but we're not. What we're not seeing is a drop in any markets right now. We watch 54 different metros around uh, the country in our uh, Remax National Housing Report. And ultimately, um, here, here's a key point to think about, though, Brad. Is in the U.S. we are only four to five weeks into the COVID crisis. So you don't start to see, uh, you know, the real panic buying or selling going on this early into a crisis that is this short-lived at this point. So, um, you know, if, if things continue, uh, it's, it's possible that we continue to see more buyers come in because we are entering buying season. And, and frankly, Q1 was like 130% of Q1 last year. It was crazy the number of transactions that were happening in the beginning of this year. It was really good. So, um, we may see very little impact out of this. It's, it's hard to say. I don't have a crystal ball, obviously. Nobody does. But um, it's not anticipated that we're going to see a, a market drop. We are seeing some new home builders drop their prices. You know, you're out in Vegas there. We're seeing a few of the new home builders drop some pricing in Vegas. But we're also seeing, um, you know, and, and yes, we're seeing fewer transactions in the marketplace, but we're also seeing a lot of people uh, bidding uh, I, I saw one this past week, 20000 above asking price mm. and others with multiple offers on them. So it just, it depends. Well, if I'm sitting here with a little bit of cake in the bank, what would I do? What would you recommend I do? Like, let's say I was just your buddy and, and you said, dude, if I were you, being who I am, knowing what I know, here's what I would do. You know, I, I think if uh, you, you got your, your safety cash and then you got your investing cash, okay? You know, obviously, you don't ever want to use your safety cash for your investing cash because you got to keep the safety cash handy. But the reality is there are opportunities, not just in real estate, but in other uh, opportunities right now, investing in businesses, uh, business loans, things like that. But, um, you know, you just, it's, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't play one on TV or claim to be one. But uh, I, I do think real estate's going to continue to be a good place. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're going to become a landlord, uh, know where you're going to be a landlord at because we do see the hospitality, the travel industry having some uh, pressures uh, currently, some significant pressures, and those are expected to be long-term pressures such as the different, uh, you know, multifamily and, and uh, you know, uh, long-term uh, rentals or even short-term rentals because of... Uh, convention activity or whatever it is. So uh, as long as people are getting together, that's going to be down a little bit. But if real estate is your long-term investment, it's always been a good long-term investment. So if you see something that's available, an opportunistic approach, not a bad idea to take a look at it because those interest rates are so good. Mm. Well, there you heard folks. There you heard. Now, what you don't know about Adam is he also, believe it or not, does a little side hustle by helping other CEOs, other companies, other people, you know, manage and grow and scale their business. Is that right? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been doing a little coaching here and there, Brad. Thanks for bringing that up. A little coaching. So, I don't know what that would cost, but man, if you guys want somebody big that has seen some huge, I mean, you're the, t- Remax is the size of an of, of a organization, at least, um, that warrants like, you're, you're in some of those Bilderberg meetings damn near, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in some pretty substantial meetings. Uh, in fact, this past the past two weeks, I was in oh, a handful of different uh, CEO masterminds with public company CEOs and a lot of different, everybody from entrepreneurial-based uh, solopreneurs all the way up to multi-billion dollar companies were, were in these uh, small groups talking about what's going on. And, uh, and you know, ultimately, it's weird because CEOs don't want to listen to anybody but CEOs. And we're willing to kind of give it to each other the way that we need to hear it and, uh, and make the appropriate adjustments in business. So, um, 
it's, it's an interesting room to be in and it's an interesting perspective to have. And I, I love to help other CEOs realign. And that realignment may be digital transparency. How many CEOs do you see out there on video right now? Not many. Few. In fact, 20, 25% of brands fell off the radar as soon as COVID hit. Why? Because they're afraid and they don't know what to say. Well, time to step up leaders. And, uh, and that's, that's what I've been helping a few doing, uh, you know, increasing their, their digital transparency, their presence, their brand, why, and uh, making those adjustments because we are seeing a change in business and it ain't going back. Now, do you think there are things that you should know about digital transparency? Because sometimes you go out there and say the wrong shit and now you're screwing up your brand. Of course, of course. And uh, that's why it's good to have a coach. Yeah, which I've been accused of on occasion. <laughs> no, not you, Brad. Well, I just don't care. Like it, it, at the end of the day, I always think to myself, listen, what would, what would ideally, what would it be? Well, ideally, I want to deal with people that I like and people that are fun and people that are cool. And so like, for example, sometimes if I say shit and someone's like, well, I wouldn't say that if I were you. I understand what they're saying, but at the same, at the same time, if, 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 if someone doesn't want to do business with my company because the, the CEO said shit, Fortunately, I don't need to do business with everybody, nor am I ever going to. So to me, it's almost like a filter. Now I preach, you know, be yourself, be authentic so you can find the people that should be around you. Because I believe if you try to act fake, basically you're going to surround yourself with people that that, that it's just not going to last because of the authenticity. So when you said digital transparency, I was thinking a lot of people talking, you know, the difference between authenticity and transparency is big transparency is, Hey, let me, you know, show you with my makeup off. But at the end of the day, if you're a, if you're a female CEO and and you don't want to get on camera because you don't have your makeup on, put your makeup on. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, be comfortable, be you in, and be comfortable in your own skin. But the reality is if somebody's going to judge you, you probably don't want them as your customer to begin with. Thank you. Now, see, if, if I had my bomb button right here, that's a bomb. We have to edit them in now because we're doing the home studio version. <laughs> All right. So I mean, that's the reality here is uh, as a business leader, you need to know that um, if you can't be yourself and if you are being yourself and is driving away customers, then those are the customers you didn't want to begin with because okay. we're in a relationship, man. This is a relationship business. And guess what? That needle just got pegged during this crisis. People don't want to be sold to. They want to know that you care about them as a, as a leader of a business and then they want to know that your business cares about them and what they care about in society. So those things first. And if you upset some people who have a very binary, single track way of thinking of going, I either love you or hate you based on your beliefs, they're not kind in their heart. They're not kind in their heart. So um, that's what people want to know about leaders is one that you're kind in your heart and you care. And if you're kind in your heart and you care about other people, you got a good soul and you lead a good group of people in your business that can help others. And people are willing to pay for that service. So, um, you know, back to your original question, you said, how do you know you're not saying the wrong thing? Well, I mean, my first question is, let's make you okay as a human being. Because number one reason business leaders start failing is because they start failing inside of their skin. Mm. They start failing in their soul, in their heart, and they're struggling. They're not happy in their marriage. They're not happy with their kids. They're not happy with where they're at in life. And really, you know, to, to get a CEO in a place that they can optimally run their business, be it maybe they're a, a family office, maybe they're a solopreneur, maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they're a public company CEO or a private company CEO. Bottom line, if you're not happy with yourself, if you can't hold, to hold up the mirror and smile at yourself and say, I love you. You're a good human being. You got a problem. You got to fix that. Otherwise, you'll never get your business fixed. Mm. Dude, sounds like you do follow me. <laughs> Even though he doesn't, folks. But, but I can tell you right now, any, I believe in everything you just said. And for my followers, they already know I preach that same thing. I say, listen, relationships are the new economy. That's the most important thing ever. When I teach salespeople and closers to, to sell and close, I say, don't focus on the sale. Focus on the relationship. If I, can, if I can become a friend 
or literally at least a trusted advisor, a trusted source in the industry, and we build that relationship, I'll sell you, your friends, your family, a ton more things than if I just go in there and focus on selling you my product for the reason of a commission. And too many salespeople start out that way. They're, they're focused on the commission, they're focused on getting the sale, and they're focused on the close. Whether it's apparent or not depends on how good you are, but in my opinion, be authentically interested in the relationship. And then I also say the first relationship you have to worry about though is the one you have with yourself. How do you coach people to fix the relationship with themselves? I think you got to ask a lot of the right questions. I mean, coaching, first of all, people can't be coached if they're not coachable. They have to, they have to, you know, verbally state, I am coachable. I am vulnerable. I'm willing to receive what you're willing to hand out to me. And Second, I think people need to pay for coaching. If you have a free coach in life, folks, is um, that a thing? I, I, I know a lot of people are like, hey, can you, can you coach me? Can you mentor me? Stuff like that. Um, I, and I know generally you don't pay for a mentor, but a lot of people do. Um, if you're not willing to pay, you're not going to pay attention. Okay? So, you must pay to pay attention. And, and you got to invest in these things, in the time, in the emotion, and I believe financially. And, and the reality is that if you pay and you pay attention, you're going to be accountable to your actions and you're going to be accountable to your feelings on things. So, it, some eggs are a little harder to crack than others when it comes to people's uh, emotions and their ego. But uh, when you hold up the mirror and you ask the right questions, and, and, and keep in mind, people don't want to be judged. That's the first turnoff of, of somebody is, hey, you're judging me? No, no, no. I'm not a judge. I'm a witness. I'm just going to witness and I'm going to tell the truth of what I see going on. And if you're willing to make changes with it, that's great. If not, we go back to the question of, are you coachable? Are you willing to admit to the things that I am observing? Or maybe are you not and you just live in, a, in another world where you're okay with denial? If you're okay with denial, man, that's a lot. That's a lot to carry around on your shoulders. So, is that why you're not happy? Is that, is that why you're not smiling? Is that why you're angry? Is that why you have outbursts? Is that why your heart hurts? Because we do these things to ourselves first. So, this takes a lot of reflection. This takes a lot. I mean, sometimes you got to cry it out. But the reality is you can get there just about with anybody. Are you coaching people almost on a personal level or a business level? Sounds like a little bit of both. Well, it, the, the folks that I coach, the people that I'm talking to are, you know, you just can't start at, at business. You know, you, you can come in. That's a business consultant. That's not a coach. A business consultant, somebody comes in and they, they say, okay, show me the framework of your business. Show me your, your balance sheet and you know, and, and I'll take a look at it and I'll go, okay, you should cut here and you should add a little bit here in order to increase this or change that. That's, that's not what I'm talking about because if you're still miserable, that, none of that crap's going to matter. Okay. So, um, it, it's both, but unless you build the foundation of being a good human being and then rolling that into your leadership, then you can lead your business because your employees will follow you. Your employees aren't going to follow a jerk. They're going for the paycheck at that point. You want them to go for the inspiration and for the fulfillment and the paycheck will grow from there. Interesting. Uh, So, if I were to hire you as a coach and I called you and said, what do you know about virtual training? Like, what if someone hires you and you don't really know much about their business? You better find out. So, I, Brad, I've looked into your your virtual training. I, first of all, virtual training is the future, man. Thank you. Well, okay. I said that 20 years ago. <laughs> I, was just, I was just a little behind the times. Or ahead, you, ahead of the time. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're all experimenting with right now. Because if you haven't figured out how to do this, you know, this little box here that, that we're all on right now, this video aspect, and be, be able and willing to consume and create through this, you're missing the game and you're going to miss out on the future because your customers are not going to want to read a manual in the future. Okay. Bottom line, they're going to want to go on your platform and see what they need to do in order to learn what they need to learn in order to 
to manage their processes or their products that they achieve through you, or just to have an experience that is fulfilling to move the ball forward in their life. So, um, I mean, you know, there's, there's an imperative in society we're both business leaders and business operators. So, you know, management level, operator level in organizations, you need to have people who are specialized in this and who are capable of rolling virtual learning into virtual product, into virtual sales, into recurring revenue. So, I mean, that is, uh, that, that flow is, is an imperative and you're going to see a lot of changes in education over the next, uh, you know, call it three months to two years as a result of virtual learning. Uh, in fact, a lot of private schools are now considering, are we in the right business? So um, it's, it's a big change going on, Brad, and, and kudos to you for getting ahead of it. Well, thank you. You know, my, my, I haven't marketed for 20 years much at all. It's all word of mouth. That's been my downfall. Um, however, we're way ahead of the game when it comes to online on-demand training systems. Um, but Zoom is ex- example of not a training system. Like you can have a class or you can talk and you can teach on this. However, unless it's downloaded, chopped up, recorded, added test questions, it's not necessarily training. Just so you know this, if you ever get asked in a meeting about what's Remax going to do, um, number one, there's four key ingredients. You have to have good content, repetition, practice, and accountability. So the problem I see with most companies is they're exposing their people to training and they think it's training because they're exposing their people to training. Realtors, loan officers, car wash attendants. It doesn't matter whether you're working at McDonald's or you're working at freaking Boeing. Training requires good content, repetition, practice, and accountability. And most companies, they don't deliver all of those ingredients. They deliver one or two and sometimes three but you kind of need all four. Just like if you were to make a cake, leave out the egg. It's just one ingredient, but it doesn't come out right. So whenever I you know, think, man, where did I go wrong? I didn't really build up my marketing, which is what I'm doing now. Because Lightspeed versus all the other ones, because there's a million of them out there and a lot of them much bigger than mine. Started afterwards, by the way, but much bigger, like almost billion dollar companies. It's their marketing. It's not their product. Most online learning systems, they're focused on hosting material when ours is focused on getting you to learn what is in it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I don't want to pitch you right now, but one of these days, if you ever do consider figuring out something with Remax, dude, I got a program for you. I do. And, and, and not only that, I can show you how to make a ton of money to, to help incentivize the franchises. We got a lot of franchises jumping on board right now. I love it. Yeah. It's, anyway, even, jump, let me jump in there because we got into online learning 25 years ago at Remax, okay? Um, 25? 25 years ago. Internet wasn't even out then. You're right. We used satellites. Damn. You, you guy, you're talking about that closed network? Uh, yeah, dude, that is a long time ago. Yeah, we had the Remax Satellite Network. RSN is what we called it. Wow. So we, we actually did, uh, we started broadcast, I think it was like two or three hours a day, two or three days a week. And we have our own studios. We've had our own RSN studios since, uh, since I can remember. I mean, just back in the day. And, uh, it, and I, I've been with the company for 16 years. So I've been part of this online education piece for, for 16 years with the organization. In fact, when I hopped over, when I was doing real estate agent safety programs, that was the first thing I did was go out and shoot training videos that were put onto the Remax satellite network. Wow. Then of course we went in, uh, we t- changed it to Remax university and went online with it. And, uh, we do, uh, I mean, thousands of designations a year for real estate agents where they, they do go through and, and download and operate and things like that broadcast it around the world on our, uh, our closed intranet. Um, that, I mean, there's, there's always, there's live programming that shows up every week. I have, I have my own live program on Thursday mornings, mind body business, and that shows up on there as well as on Facebook. And Only then, for Remax people? Uh, no, on, on Facebook, everybody can get it if they just go to uh, We Are Remax, which is our, uh, our brand uh, Facebook page. They'll see Mind Body Business on Thursday mornings, uh, 8 a.m. Mountain Time. And then uh, we also have Good Morning Remax, which is on Tuesday mornings with their chief customer officer, Nick Bailey, which is like a, a daytime television show. It's really cool. 
Wow. So we, we do a lot of these different broadcasts, but we also do the, the accountable tested continuing education credits, things like that as well. So it, it's pretty cool. I'll have to show it to you one of these days. Do you, do you contribute a lot of the Remax success to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I got, and this is nothing new for you, Brad, but, but maybe our listeners can get something to this. Um, you know, the reality is if you're not learning every day, there, there are four leadership principles and, and the number one leadership principle is activate leadership daily. And activating leadership daily means you're growing your mind and your leadership capabilities. So if you're not learning daily or you're not educating your people daily, you're missing out because the mind either expands or contracts on a regular basis and education is what causes it to grow. Mm-hmm. You're speaking my language, Adam. Holy moly. Dude, I might have to hire you as my coach. Only my because, head's at, Brad. <laughs> well, only, only because, man, I'm telling you, I got a billion dollar company I'm sitting on. I mean, I, I've gotten it to eight, almost nine figures and I am screwing it up. That's what's funny too, because it's all about perspective. People are always like, dude, I, I mean, I can't believe you succeeded to the level you've succeeded. And I'm like, well, again, you can look at it that way, but there's other people that would probably look at me and say, dude, I can't believe you've only done what you've done with, with the technology you have. You know, it's interesting um, because I, you are, you're a super achiever, Brad. You look at things and you go, all right, I've made it to here, but I got so much headroom left. And, and people are like, whoa, where, how'd you get there? And you're like, I got to get more. I got to get more. I, I love the, the hunger and that is that activate leadership daily. That, well, I'm, good. Uh, good leadership, my friend. Well, well, again, it's definitely on accident. You know, I'm not playing humble. People are always like, oh, you're always playing humble. No, I'm not. I just, I'm pretty sure I could have done far better job if I, you know, implemented some of the things I should have learned a long time ago. Like I always say, man, if you like, for example, if you ran my company for the last 20 years, it'd probably be 10 times bigger. I, 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 for some reason, I just don't give myself credit for doing a good job only because I see the potential of where it should be. And I'm like, man, like somebody else would have just killed this deal, but who knows? Maybe they would have crashed this deal. Don't know. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of push back a little bit and give you some credit, Brad, because you've done some amazing stuff and, and you deserve credit for that. Um, you're also looking down the road a little ways going, I know where I can get to and I can see myself there. The, the biggest challenge of a business leader, and, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say this, this is, this is not meant towards your employees or anybody else's employees, but the people you start with are not the people you end with, okay? Mm. The talent you start with is not the talent you end with. And that's not necessarily meaning a different human being. Some cases it is, okay? A lot of times it's a different person in finance. It's a different uh, attorney. It's a different bank or banker. It's, it's a different designer. It's a different, whatever it is. But ultimately, the, the people you start with and the talent level you start with are not those you end with because you have to go through that evolution. Otherwise, you kind of get the blockbuster syndrome and you get to this point and everybody's like, no, we're good. And then it dies on the vine right there. So if, if you can, you know, and, and I know you're the type of human being that, that can and does, you take a step back and go, everybody, let's get uncomfortable. And some of you may or may not agree with this. And if you don't agree with this, maybe this isn't the place for you. But you have to go through that cycle all the time in business. And I mean, we go through that cycle and people are like, whoa, it's that cycle again. And then they step up or they step out because some people don't want to change. They're just, they're done. They're, they're ready to go do something else or someplace else. So, so kudos to you for recognizing where you want to get to and then looking back and going, are you with me? Mm. So I also seem to have a problem terminating, or I used to, I'm getting a lot better, but terminating people that have been with me a certain amount of time. And like you said, they identify you either want to get on or get off. And, you know, sometimes they don't want to get off, but they need to get off. How do you address terminations? And when it's time to let, you know, people with a little tenure go, like, like, do you ever feel bad? You always feel bad. Let's just, let's just face it. If you are a good human being, you have that place in your heart for these people. Because it's a hard thing to do. I mean, nobody wants to encounter that, that type of business. You know, they, they look at it as failure. 
And it's, it's a function of the, the leader has to realize a couple of things. Now, this, this first piece is going to punch some people in the gut, but this is a reality, okay? So, the point that you think you need to move somebody on from that point to the point that they do move on, that's when they cost you the most money, okay? Mm-hmm. So, take that gap of the time that you go, I think this person probably needs to go, and not for a bad reason. Maybe it is for a bad reason. If it's, a, if it's an egregious act, then get rid of them right then and there, okay? Uh, because you're, you're saving yourself and the other people around you because there's, there's more to it that you haven't figured out yet. But if it's an egregious act, a violation of your values or whatever it is, they're just not a good human being, then you just got to suck it up and go. But if it's a fact of not evolving to grow the business or not evolving with the leadership expectations of the business, from that point to the point that they leave, because they're going to leave most likely, that's where they cost you the most money. So, how much money do you want to keep spending? Because the longer you go, it's like this hockey stick. I guess I'm looking at my camera. It just keeps going up until that point where you go, all right, we got to do something. And that's when people are walking in your office going, hey, what's up? Are you going to do something or no? And then after they go, there will be whispering going, why did Brad take so long for them to move on? What did they have on Brad? And so everybody knows. So what do you what do you need to do? You need to go sit down with them. I mean, the first thing a business leader needs to do is sit down with somebody and go, it doesn't seem like this is working for me. Does it feel like it's working for you? Because we have this like uncomfortable gap going on between us right now. And we need to figure this out because I'm not really happy and I don't think you're really happy. So how do we become happy with this? So it's just, it's a human to human conversation. A lot of people are afraid to have that. And, and if they're like, no, it, we're good, we're good. And then you know, okay, it's likely this isn't going to change. And if that's the case, you go, look, why don't you think about what I just said? And then let's go have lunch tomorrow or the next day, or let's, let's get back together in a, in a day or two and figure out, okay, what do you think about it now? Because I want you to go home and talk to your spouse or your partner or whatever it is. And tell me what you think. If they come back, they're like, no. And then you better be, have some things to say. Say, all right, here's what I'm observing. I don't feel like our relationship is as trusting as it used to be. And I don't feel like we're on the same sheet of music of where we're taking the business. So, so here's the thing. We can, A, call it good right now. And I'll, I'll treat you with dignity and respect. And everybody, you know, will have a party and go, hey, great job. Thanks for all your time here. Um, you know, you've, you've explored other opportunities. and and give you a big pat on the back and make it look really good. Because ego is the biggest factor in this whole thing, okay? Ego is the biggest thing. They can go get another job. Ego is the biggest problem. Or I can make the decision for you. So, I mean, it's a series of those two to three conversations. I've done this, and I've also seen people leave without this. I can tell you when you do it this way, it makes it so much better for everybody. And then people come in there like, thank you. I agree. That was a, you know, it was great for them to move on. I wish them all the best. I love them so much, but, you know, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I don't know why. It just feels bad to me. You know, I always feel like, damn, dude. And I procrastinate. And everything you're saying is correct. It always costs you the more money. Look, I always tell people, rip the Band-Aid off now and it hurts way less than ripping it off later. It's just, for some reason, I... I feel bad. You know, like when we got into this COVID thing, I'm supposed to tell everybody shelter in place. Now, I don't need every single person I have, but I didn't let anyone go for one reason. I feel bad. If I were in their shoes, holy crap, me being terminated right now, I'd feel bad. People are telling me, dude, they'll get just as much on on, uh, unemployment. Like, Like, just let them go. And I just won't do it. I don't know why. I just won't. Now, would I have pushed came to shove? Yes, but I don't because again, um, you know, I can keep them busy. I, I, I don't need to terminate people because, because of profits. I think, I think people are more important than profits to me. Now that's just to me. Now, sometimes they don't reciprocate though. It's almost like if this were reversed, oh, I'd be canned and I'd be canned fast, but it doesn't matter. I'm the one that gets to decide and I decided not to lay anybody off. And then they came out with this SBA thing 
You know, it's like, hey, man, if you need to borrow money, it's like, dude, that's just borrowing money to give to your employees so they're not unemployed. To me, what do you think would be the best move? Borrow money to keep people employed or just let them go? Well, there's a, there's a big difference between getting rid of somebody for underperformance and getting rid of somebody in order to, to cut expenses during COVID. So let's, let's kind of separate those two things. So underperformance is underperformance is underperformance. And if you've got people who are underperforming and COVID hits, those might be the people that you think about going, okay, I'm going to help them move on because they are going to be taken care of a little bit better. And that, that takes a candid conversation. And I've seen businesses go, all right, I, I have some underperformers here and COVID's going on. How do I deal with the, the balance of those things? Well, you, you just can't hit pause in your business right now and hope things change. Because people who underperform in an office or people who under, underperform when they can get together are going to underperform even more drastically when they don't have to get together. Mm. So there's a reason not to. But people who are dedicated to your business, who you're like, okay, I hate to let them go because of COVID. I mean, you know, the reality is you have to make a, a projection for your organization. You have to take a look at your finances in like, call it three to five different phases. This is a com- kind of a completely different argument than underperformance or a completely different conversation. And yes, it sucks to lay people off. I've had to do it in the past and it makes you cry. But you have to do what you have to do in order to save the business for the employees that can still be there. And if you're going to end up furloughing people or laying them off or firing them for business purposes, COVID purposes, okay, this this is not all right, I'm going to fire these people so I can boost my profits. That's, that's not the right thing to do because what's going to happen is your profits are going to spike and then they're going to drop, okay? Because you just lost the ability to service those customers. Mm-hmm. But if you are seeing a reduction in revenue, a massive reduction in revenue where you know your burn rate is more than your reduction and you're like, oh my gosh, we only have three months of life left in the business, you better figure out how to take action and have a phased approach. And if you haven't looked into the CARES Act and the payroll protection and things like that, you better be doing that as well. But yeah, quick. Yeah. I mean, it better have been last week. And if it wasn't last week, it should be today. But um, I don't believe in sending people to unemployment because you don't want to pay them. I, I think it's our obligation as business leaders to be part of this economy and if, yes, we're all going to suffer during this process, okay? We're all going to see reduced revenue. We're going to see reduced profits. We're going to see reduced everything. But the reality is, if we can hold our business together and keep our employees, guess what they want to do when we come out of this thing? They want to go, boom, up in the air and accelerate that business growth and talk to the employees and, or the uh, customers and go, this is why I'm here. I love this company. They kept me around as long as they had to and could, had to and could in order to stay alive. And I appreciate that. Mm. So big business between underperformance and COVID and they both suck, but I think underperformance is easier to get rid of. And if you have underperformance right now, it's going to really maximize underperformance in this work at home environment. Yeah. Interesting that you say that because the other day I was talking about there's customers of ours that have light speed training systems. Their entire workforce is at home And they were calling me and I said, listen, right now is a good time to assign training and see if they do it because it would blow your mind how many people that you can assign training to in your organization and they just won't do it. And it's like Lightspeed obviously can track, measure, monitor everything in real time, notify you when things happen or don't happen. But dude, if I were to say right now, hey, uh, 60 employees, I only have 60, I think 62. Uh, Hey, 62 employees, um, I need you guys to go through this course several times by next Friday. Now, that's me assigning them a course. <clears throat> if next Friday, 100% did it, I would be amazed. And that's, again, they know what our system can track and measure, and they know I can see who did and didn't do it, and there's still people that do not do it. And I tell these companies, you know, now's a good time to assign them training at home because if they don't do training, 
they're probably not doing what you think they're doing either. In other words, like, hey, I have this person, customer service, they're just doing it from home. Well, if they won't train, I promise you they're not doing customer service either. Why do you think they're doing their job so so freely if they're not even willing to do as you asked, which is go ahead and train and develop the asset that you have sitting at home doing basically their job, which they're probably not doing. So that that's the same. And then as far as uh, CEO stuff goes, I, I said it like I'm going through it right now when in reality it was more like a year and a half ago, but everything that you said did come true. It's true. You ripped the bandaid off now. It hurts far less. But one, one thing that I started to realize is, you know, if you don't want to make the tough decisions, then you should get out of that chair. Because a CEO chair is a lonely chair to be sitting at because that's when push comes to shove. You have to make those tough decisions and some people just don't like to. Amen, man. I mean, that, that old saying, it's lonely at the top, times 10. It is so lonely at the top. And I, I mastermind with a lot of different CEOs and it's interesting because you hear the same thing. And that's why, I mean, that's why I have two coaches. One's a psychologist and one's a coach coach. So, um, and you know, I, and I'm happy. I, I could look at him and go, ah, I don't need this. But, um, but you're right. In order to optimize, you got you to gotta understand that uh, you do have to make hard decisions, but you have to make them with grace and with kindness. And we as a society have been brought about to believe that CEOs are jerks and are self-centered egotistical maniacs because we, we grow up on stories like, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge and stuff like that. And so, so we, look at, we look at these leadership positions and say, okay, that person's automatically not a nice person, which is why I go back to, if you're not a visible leader right now um, and you have to make a hard decision, you're going to be even more of a jerk. But yeah. if you're out in front, you're a visible leader and people actually get to see what kind of human being you are and you have to make a hard decision you're going to be way better off. It's still going to be a hard decision, but you're going to have supporters. So speaking of visible leaders, if you guys want to find Adam, go to Remax Adam Contos on Instagram, C-O-N-T-O-S. Of course, that's pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, it's Remax Adam Contos. Go check him out. Go follow him, hit him up, give him hashtag bomb squad. Let him know where you heard him from. You, you don't have a book yet, but you do have a podcast right? And if you guys want to listen to a badass podcast, go to uh, startwithawin.com, just like it sounds, startwithawin.com. Now, that is a podcast, correct? That is a podcast. Yeah. Start With A Win is my podcast. It's on uh, iTunes as well as a Google store. So When are we, when are we going to see a book? You got to have a book. I've been talking about a book lately. So... Well, dude, I mean, if from SWAT to CEO of Remax to freaking, you know, sitting in some of the you know highest level meetings, being able to tap into a lot of different minds, a lot of different, you know, assets of knowledge, which is which is powerful stuff. I'm sure your Rolodex looks crazy. I mean, uh, some the biggest thing people always say, you know, do you ever look back and like, you know, sit there in awe at what I've accomplished? And I'm thinking no, because I always look forward and I'm thinking I failed so far, and you know, when I get somewhere, I'll let you know, but. One thing I do sit back and sometimes and think, dude, my pot, my Rolodex is huge. Like I can text people that people would pay huge money to sit in a room with. I can text them back and forth. I can chit chat, FaceTime. If I FaceTime, they'll answer. It's like, dude, that's crazy. Do you, do you, do you have the same type of Rolodex being in the situation you're in? I do. I do. And it's interesting. I was, uh, I was exercising it this morning as well. And this, by the way, if you can't reach into your Rolodex right now, Brad, this is a great point for everybody listening. Everybody should reach in their Rolodex and say hi to five people today and say, hey, I just want to check and see how you're doing. I care. And see if they respond. I, I did that um, last week. I actually sent an email. I'm a, I'm a big fan of video over just a text email, but I sent a text email to the CEOs of all of the competitors in my space, the CEOs of my competitors. And I said, Hey, just wanted to see how you're doing. And I got these very heartfelt responses saying, thank you so much for call. Let me know. I mean, and this is like the coach of the Denver Broncos reaching out to the coach of the, the Raiders and saying, Hey, how you doing, man? I just want to check and see how you're doing. 
I mean, we're, we're, we're competitors, but we care about each other as human beings. But uh, yeah, Brad, I, I have a great Rolodex and I, I use the hell out of it. And, um, and it, it's a great place for not, not business per se, but knowledge that creates business. Absolutely. So, so every morning I always tell people there's a thing I call million dollar morning. Okay. And the reason I call it a million dollar morning is because when you wake up in the morning and your eyes open, you have to agree that it's worth more than a million dollars. Because if I said, I'll give you a million dollars, Adam, but you can't wake up tomorrow, you're done. You'd be like, pass. So when you open your eyes, it's worth more than a million dollars, which means every morning you get something more valuable than a million dollars, but yet you wake up all pissed off and worried about the day and worried about the past and worried about who's, what you have to do instead of what you get to do. So I start off with the right perspective. That's why I call it the million dollar morning. You open your eyes, boom, it's obviously worth more than a million dollars. So imagine getting a check every morning for a million dollars. I'd be so pumped every morning. I'd be waking up like, damn, this is awesome. It's, it's a gift more valuable than that. So you have to think of that. Then number, uh, the four things I want you to focus on, 15 on your health, 15 on your mind, 15 on your relationships, and 15 on your money. So I always say the 15 one is what you said. I tell people, text or email or message or call five people every day that you want to develop a relationship with or build on it. Even if it's a spouse, people are like, well, I live with her or I live with him. You don't understand how you could literally live with someone and still be distant. Sending your text or or your spouse a text every day that just simply says something, hey, uh, thanks for helping out with the kids this morning. Hey, thanks for cooking last night. Hey, whatever it was, thanks for looking so good, you know, uh, for, for when I got home. I'm telling you that changes lives. Just a text or a message on a regular basis. And you just touched on it. See what I mean, dude? And him and I have never talked bomb squad. So trust me when I tell you, when two CEOs tell you the same thing that don't even talk to each other, like we've never met before, correct? Correct. And yet he's advising you to do the exact same shit. I'm telling you that stuff works. And relationships, if you ask me, are the biggest economy. Like you said, you're using the shit out of it right now. And I've had people say to me, well, dude, that's just using people. And I've said this, if you feel like getting something from some of the relationships that you have is using them, well, then you just don't value what you bring to the relationship. Would you agree? Totally agree. Totally agree. If I called you and leveraged that relationship, it's only because, dude, listen, number one, you can call me for anything. Number two, I must not, if I think that's using you, like, oh, I'd never do that. That's using Adam. Well, then obviously I think that you can only do things for me and I can't ever do anything for you, which is why I would never want to, you know, leverage it. But that's the relationship that you have with yourself. If you feel that way, it's probably because you don't love yourself. You don't feel like you have any worth and you're not contributing anything to, to these relationships. But building them, man, that's, that's a big one, dude. Listen, I'm, I'm going to talk to you offline here. You can add me to your Rolodex. You can call me if you need any advice or a shoulder to cry on, or it might be the opposite. But I might consider uh, hiring you as my coach. Folks, if you guys want to consider him as a coach, I bet you you don't have unlimited time, so you're probably expensive. But I would argue that it's not expensive because the value that you get is massive when it comes to coaching and mentoring with the right person. I mean, like literally, it doesn't matter what someone costs you if the person's legit and obviously you do your due diligence, but the value out of a book, the value out of coaching is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. So I might hire you. I don't know what you're charging. I don't, you don't need to say it right now. Where do people go if they want to hire you as a coach? Just uh, go to adamcontos.com. So I, I've been uh, adjusting my website a little bit. So just check it out, adamcontos.com. There's a several places you can click and, and I'll, uh, it'll fill out an email form and I'll, I'll get right back to you and we can, we can discuss. I am very particular who I spend time with, obviously, uh, as are you, Brad. Um, you know, we got to be careful. We, gotta, we have to spend our time where we create the highest level of value, okay? And uh, I'm, I'm a public board director. I'm also the CEO of a public company. And um, as a result, I, I have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders and anybody that I invest time in, I have a fiduciary responsibility to, to make sure that I am providing a high level of value. And uh, that's a very small circle of friends. 
we, I, I don't go out and go, hey, let's get all the guys together and we fill up a bar. There's maybe five or 10 guys that I actually hang out with uh, on any, you know, annual basis. And it's because I want to give as much as I can give, but at the same time, they have the same mindset. They give as much as they can give. So it's, it's fascinating. But I want to I touch on something you talked about there, and that is this gratitude. Um, the, it, it's incredibly important. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, okay, says in his book, the two things that we cannot give ourselves, personal attention and appreciation. Personal attention and appreciation. So if you're a business leader, when's the last time you took and gave appreciation just not branded appreciation, but just a thank you for being you to somebody that you do business with, somebody that you know. Um, you know, go on, go on social media, go on Facebook, find somebody that you really appreciate and post on your business page. I just want to say a big thank you to Brad Lee. Here's, here's a link to his page. Please tell him thank you for me. He's an amazing human being. Um, and, and this comes from the heart. This is something we don't give out enough is kindness. So thank you, Brad, for what you do for society. And watch what that does to that human being. It completely changes their day. People will jump on board that were shy about giving personal attention and appreciation, and they'll start giving it. And it spreads. It's amazing. Do that with your spouse. Do that with your kids. Because really, we operate from two emotions here. We're only operating from two emotions in life. Fear, which we got a lot of right now. That's our default emotion. And business leaders, coaching tip right here. Watch when you talk to somebody. If it's a customer, a potential customer, an employee, somebody else that you have some sort of a relationship with, watch how they operate. They will reply from fear or they will reply from love. Fear is a fear response. Fight, flight, or freeze is a fear response. Basically, you will see people rationalizing excuses as to why something didn't happen, why they can't do something, why they shouldn't do something. Don't ever objection handle your way through fear, okay? You cannot attack fear with fear. Objection handling is arguing in a nice way. You have to go to an intentional, an intentional emotion. So, fear is a default emotion. It's genetically programmed into us because we're trying not to get eaten by exiting our cave to go hunting, okay? So, it's, it's in our hearts. It's in our minds. Love is intentional. Fear, default, love, intentional. What does love look like? Love is unconditional giving. So, I deploy love when, like when Brad's team reached out and said, hey, would you like to be on this podcast? I'm like, I would love to. I love the opportunity to help other people. So, if you, it's, it's the same thing if you're, you're sitting in the boardroom business leader, and people are arguing about stuff. What's the first thing you should do? Appreciate. Thank you, Brad, for bringing this idea forward. Thank you. This means a lot that you're taking out of your feelings and delivering this idea. I love your passion for this. Give. Give appreciation. Give. I love your passion for this. Or if somebody comes to you with an argument, say, just smile and say, I love your passion for this. Let's figure out what this looks like. You just acknowledged everything. They're like, whoa, what happened? You're not fighting with them. So try that. It's fear or love. Recognize the fear. Approach it with love. Because if you approach fear with fear, argument, it's done. Dude, see, I just got a free tip that's probably worth more than the whole coaching session. Dude, that's freaking unbelievable. And I, can, and I find myself doing that. Exactly what you were saying. That's why I laughed. It's like, dude, I can hear people saying things and then I, I'm fighting it with fear. Yeah, don't 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 say but or uh, or this or uh, just say I love your passion for this. Thank you. Where did you learn these things? What what books on leadership would you say every CEO needs to go get right now? Books on leadership. Well, actually, um, I've actually got a couple of them right here. We're we're doing book club at my house. If anybody wants to join, um, the uh, uh, Atomic Habits is one that we're reading right now. James Clear is the author. Great book. No, on leadership about, or habits? Uh, this is on habits, but leadership is habits. It's daily habits. It's, it's how do you approach things and why do people act the way that they do? Um, leadership, I come from the, uh, the old school book of Marine Corps leadership. So uh, there's, there are 
principles in Marine Corps leadership. Believe it or not, the Marine Corps actually teaches people the, the leadership principle of enthusiasm. Okay? You're like, Marines, enthusiasm. Yes. In order to motivate yourself to run up a hill when you're getting shot at and stuff's blowing up, you have to be enthusiastic about it. You got to be a hard charger. That's what they call them, hard chargers. So, um, Marine Corps leadership is, is a big uh, principle. Um, there's no one book on leadership that I'm going to direct you to, but there's philosophies around it. This, this love versus uh, fear situation, that's, that's mine. So, uh, you know, that was my uh, kind of introspective into psychology. I mean, let me tell you another good psychology book is uh, Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini, Six Factors of Influence. Dr. Robert Cialdini is C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I is his last name. That's a great book. It's, it's kind of uh, academic. He's a professor at Arizona State, but he's also a consumer and, and social psychologist. So I'm huge into psychology because if you can crack the psychology piece, you know, the two emotions, things like that, you can figure out why people operate the way that they do and you can lead them better because you need to be an expert on reading people's emotions. You need to be really good at emotional intelligence and emotional maturity, emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. Emotional intelligence is empathy. Emotional maturity is self-control and self-awareness. And you may have the great, you might be able to see that somebody's upset, but if you're just a jerk about it, you're emotionally immature. If you can't make decisions, you're emotionally immature. If you can't decide that I'm going to narrow down my commitments and be accountable to those, you're emotionally immature and you can work on those things. That's what I need help on right there. (laughs) We all need to reflect on it daily. Yeah, see, again, the, at least I can admit it, though, because I'm, I'm sitting here. I always replay what I say after I say it to people that I'm leading anyway. And I'm always like, how could I have done that better? And then it's like, man, I, I, and I find myself sometimes getting frustrated. Well, that's emotional immaturity. Yeah. Just remember, go to love, man. Like I have empathy. I, I think I have high EQ. It's the, it's the emotional maturity that I need work on. And folks, if you're listening to this, maybe do a little self-assessment on yourself. If, 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 if you need help, reach out to Adam Contos, adamcontos.com. Adam, I wish I could sit here and talk to you all day, brother, but I, I know you have crap to do and I appreciate you stopping in. And uh, I want to have you back after this COVID thing's over, if you don't mind. Last question I have for you is what, what, where, where do you think you got most satisfaction, being the CEO of Remax or being on SWAT? I'm going to say that I, I get the most satisfaction out of helping people, be it from either. Um, I, I'll tell you, it's different satisfaction. It is different satisfaction because um, I got to help people do everything from, uh, I remember satisfying day, work in the street. I actually decided I was going to try and stop and talk to as many people as I could. And I ended up helping on two different occasions, two different cars on the highway, I stopped to see what was going on with them. And they were both pregnant ladies by themselves with flat tires. And I changed the flat tires for them. Both of them cried. Both of them were really appreciative. I gained a ton of satisfaction out of that. I got probably as much out of that as I did um, when we, we caught a serial killer one night. When, I mean, just, just different things that you go, whoa, that's way more exciting than changing the tire on somebody's car. But the reality is, you get the satisfaction out of giving other people satisfaction. So I got it that way in law enforcement. I also saw a lot of horrible things. So God love the first responders. They are amazing individuals, our, our healthcare people. I mean, everybody that drives trucks today is contributing massively to society, stock shelves, whatever it might be. So we got to appreciate all those people. They should be getting satisfaction out of what, are they, what they're doing because they're helping society. But as a CEO, I also get to impact 130,000 people who impact one and a half million families a year. So I look at it, how big can I spread my impact of helping people? And that's why I love working with CEOs because if I can help a CEO, I can help everybody in that company and the customers that they serve. Mm. So I look, I look at what you do, man, and, and Lightspeed, how many people can you help? with the delivery of your information. And you just got to take a step back and go, 
well done because you're helping. So, um, you know, current help, I, being a CEO is awesome. I love it. It is stressful and lonely and everything else. But you know what? That's food. That is food for the, you know, the, the super achiever. Um, but I'll tell you, there's something about waiting for a door to blow off the front of a house so you can run through the fireball. Dude, I always wanted to be a cop growing up just for that reason right there. <laughs> Adam, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate you coming through. Bomb Squad, if you guys want to find more about him, Remax Adam Contos on pretty much any social media outlet. And someone's at the door, see? Any it. social media outlet, Adam Contos, a Remax Adam Contos. Adam, appreciate you coming in. And folks, remember, share this out. Someone might need to hear it. And as always, keep it real. This is Dropping Bombs with the real Bradley. Subscribe at droppingbombs.com.